and welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters Podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to the first official 2020 Time Shifter recording. Yeah, you guys did hear a recording with Floyd and Roy Belquist for all about Space 1999, but we actually recorded that a couple months ago, way back in the towards the end of night of uh, I almost said 1999 again at the end of 2019. But here we are, we're recording in 2020. Things are going to be a little different, a little changed. Like we talked about a, a few episodes ago, Matt has left the show as a permanent co-host. So that leaves me looking to find uh, friends and just about anyone I can beg, borrow, or steal to record and talk about a movie or show or just about whatever I feel like shooting the breeze about. Well, I have found someone to help me out on this show and hopefully future shows uh, throughout the upcoming year or years. <laughs> You've heard his voice once before, actually twice before. He's joined me at the Cincinnati Comic Expo a couple times. And we had a really great time. So when he volunteered, when he stepped up and said he'd be willing to do this, I got pretty happy about that. So let me introduce back to the show, my good friend, Tom. Sir, thank you. And welcome back to Time Shifters. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled. I tell you what, when you know you came into town over the holidays, and we we're like, "Oh, let's get together, just have the dinner," and told you about Matt and everything, mm-hmm. and then you said, "Hey, well, if there's anything I can do to help, I'm like, how much help <laughs> are you willing?" <laughs> yes, I recall that, and then I'm like, "How much do you need?" <laughs> um, no, actually, interestingly enough, uh, this is well timed. Um, I am looking to get back into my master's degree program at Loyola, and my master's is actually in a in a program called Emerging Media, which is very social media conscious. So, oh, there you go. I'm going to put you in charge of the Instagram and Twitter then. (laughs) As soon as I have Instagram, (laughs) that's actually one I've never (laughs) grasped onto, but. uh, no, uh, when I first gave it a shot, I had to do a lot of recording uh, just for the various uh, um, assignments that you have to do. So um, I thought, why not? Not to mention, you and I have been, I, I'd like to think uh, all of this kind of came from our early, early, early days when we'd go across <laughs> the river into Kentucky to... What was it? The Knights Inn um, or the Drawbridge? Oh, Drawbridge. Drawbridge Inn for some of the very early Trek conventions that we'd go to. That's true. Yeah. 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 Tom and I have known each other since, God, it has to be like early 90s, right? Uh, Actually, 89. (laughs) That was what. Really? Was it that? 
Really? Oh, I suppose so. That's right. Because I was I was thinking it was after I graduated high school, but no, I was working at the Thriftway uh, Food the and Drug grocery store. <laughs> Thriftway Food and Drug, and yeah, I started there in like eighty seven, eighty eight. Um, and you were just a, a, a few years younger than me, so you would have started a little bit after me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was a cashier by the time you started working there, right? Correct. Yeah. No. I'm... Yeah. Okay. So I'd been there at least probably maybe a year or so before you got there. So yeah, it has been longer than I'd care to admit. <laughs> yeah, we're old. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it all started uh, then uh, uh, with you and me and Brandon and <laughs> whoever else we could suck into what we were doing. Yeah, uh, Steve, who used to host on the show in the, a previous incarnation, I met him at Thrithway. Uh, kind of <laughs> the circumstance for meeting him, I was just a bagger. And he was a cashier, and I went and bagged at his uh, his his checkout line. And he had actually just come back from a Doctor Who fan con- uh, uh, meeting, and he still had like a Doctor Who pin on his shirt that he forgot to take <laughs> off. And I'm like, you know Doctor Who? And, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, well, and I remember uh, Steve from those days as well. So, uh, but. Uh... God, the hours we spent either there or at your place or at my place um, watching and trying to record on VHS whatever we could to absorb as much as we could. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was all usually in your basement. It was you you recorded like all the shows through the week Mm -hmm. and then come the weekend, we'd all kind of just meet up in your basement and watch. It was always we were watching like. Even like like friends and mad about you. Uh, I mean, it was like just whatever we could. Yeah, it, but that was like those were the shows that everyone was watching at the time. Plus, you know, the Babylon Fives, the Mystery Science Theater Three Thousands. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember whatever incarnation of Trek or Farscape. I mean, all those things, whatever we happen to have. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. In fact, uh, Mom recently uh, told me a story of. Uh, she was reminded of when you used to come over after dark um, so that we could watch whatever endless amounts of TV we were going to watch, and you'd knock on the basement window <laughs> so yeah, you wouldn't it would disturb be like one them. Good, it'd be like one in the morning because I was working second shift, uh-huh. and so I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to Tom's to watch movies." So yeah, it was one o'clock in the morning, man. How else am I? I can't just ring the bell. But she was ultra fascinated with the idea that sure, in the early '90s we did that, and if you were to do that now, you'd be like arrested immediately. Oh yeah, the neighbors. I'm sure they're that that, that stalker is in the window again. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's just kind of funny all how it all circles back around, but, uh, yeah. And then the uh, hours and hours, I'd remember we'd be at your place uh, when you were in Clifton, um, mm-hmm. and we'd be there till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning after work. Watch the sun come up after watching a few movies or, yeah, or whatever. just discussing yeah. whatever to for endless amounts of hours. I actually... Uh, for our listeners here, I actually pity them because there may be too much for us to talk about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Edit wisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe I'll finally start that Patreon. 
And then that's what the, the Patreon uh, supporters will actually get is all the unedited conversations we have that don't make it into the shows. Oh, for posterity, because, you know, it'll... The, ta- the tangent cast, yeah. <laughs> what other random crap can they talk about today? <laughs> exactly. So we already talked about it. We've mentioned a few things mm-hmm. now. I mean, we were kind of well-rounded uh, sci-fi fans and everything. We mentioned all the Star Treks mm-hmm. and Babylon 5s and all, all that stuff and everything. I don't even know if I know this about you. What kind of got you? What was your gateway into you know the science fiction? Because I know you're just you're a big sci-fi mm-hmm. fan. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that we really kind of bonded on early yes. was finding, you know, we, we found two... We each found, you know, a member of our tribe yeah. <laughs> within each other. So, yeah, what was your gateway for the science fiction? When did you start? What 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 brought you in? Now, as mom would also to attest, um, she watched original series Trek uh, while she was pregnant with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she loves telling that. But uh, seriously, from the get-go, um, I was raised on early... Um, syndicated episodes of the original series of track um wild wild west was a huge favorite for me really love that bridge between um um western and science fiction really love that Mm -hmm. um it's what made me really excited for later in life uh the briscoe county junior stuff oh right, right yeah um but what sealed the deal um, is the t- timing is everything in life. Um, just as I entered high school, and I'm going to an all-male high school, Moeller High School there. Um, and that fall, uh, I remember it just being kind of a lonely time because <laughs> I was not a jock. Um, I was intelligent. I was an artsy. So I didn't have a whole lot of niches in high school, but Right then and there, that fall is when Star Trek The Next Generation came out. Very first mm-hmm. season of 87. Oh, I think many a sci-fi fan was born that summer. Per, pretty <laughs> much, but I mean, I was already hard on uh, on lots of sci-fi. Um, even recently told my girlfriend it used to be a fun thing for me as you were getting to that age where... You could branch out on your own, but maybe the parents didn't always appreciate you wandering off on your own. Uh, so they'd be at work during a summer, and I'd walk from the house up to the Kmart with whatever money I had and bought um, one of the Star Trek movies if it had just recently come out on VHS and then watch mm. it till it was almost blank. <laughs> <laughs> so I would do all that and then yeah then the next generation came along and it was kind of like oh they're, oh yeah. yeah so and then it just kept getting better from there or worse yep. in some well, cases yeah uh yeah Star Trek was probably my gateway too uh similar it's funny that you said your mom was the one watching it was my dad yeah. that was the the sci-fi fan my mom I probably listened to Star Trek in the womb as well, only because, you know, there was only one TV <laughs> and my mom didn't have anything else to do but sit in the room, yeah. you know, while my dad watched Star Trek. Uh, some of my earliest memories were uh, coming home after school. My dad was working kind of like a swing shift or something like that. So he'd be home like at three or so in the afternoon for me to get home from school before my mom got home from work. And the, 
our local UHF channel at the time was running Star Trek at like four in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so we would sit and watch Star Trek and eat peanut butter sandwiches uh, (laughs) until mom got home before we all ate dinner. And so, yeah, it's some of my earliest memories. So, uh, yeah, original series is what brought me in. And then, yeah, probably a little similar to you, anything that was space spaceships or lasers oh you'll i'll watch it yeah no absolutely and, like think of all the cartoons we grew up on the volt oh, voltrons yeah. the transformers the gi joes the uh um well even go back further to the you know the super friends super friends uh, yeah lots of different super friends uh versions um there was I'm just more older than you. I'm not sure how to. I'm not saying that right, but uh, you got a year was, or two on me. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. There was a couple uh, kid shows through the '70s that were produced by I think Filmation mm-hmm. that were was like Jason of Star Command, mm-hmm. and uh, there was Arc Two. Uh, there was oh, there was a couple others, and they were all low budget, but you aimed at kids yeah. aimed at, you know me when i was cuz i was 6 or 7 years old and this was probably before star wars or maybe right around i'm going to say i'm going to say probably it came after star wars cuz it was probably what star wars is probably what got them to say oh okay let's put a little bit of money into something you know for the kids sure. And so I grew up on that. So that was science fiction, you know, because then there was there was space vehicles and lasers and adventures. And you know what? I know Jason of Star Command was post-Star Wars because the guy was practically a Han Solo <laughs> clone except for kids. Uh, he was dressed like a Han Solo, but he wasn't, you know, the uh, the swashbuckling uh, uh, cad or whatever that Solo was, but... Yeah. yeah, so it was definitely inspired uh, by, uh, well, by know, Star ri- Wars. Ride the coattails while they're there. Exactly. <laughs> and really, that ended up being a great time. By the time we were young and, you know, the late 70s rolled around and Star Wars kind of blew everyone away, suddenly there was a lot of sci-fi to be had. Mm-hmm. Not all of it good, no. but there was a lot to be had. Mm-hmm. We had, like I say, in those kids' shows. And I've tried watching some, and there's a lot of nostalgia for at watching them, but they're not good. No. It's kind of one of these things that... I appreciate what they tried to do <laughs> more than actually appreciate the show themselves. Um, but then, of course, we had things like um, along came Star Wars, then we came uh, like Logan's Run, mm-hmm. uh, the film, and then the TV series. Uh, again, you know, hit or miss on quality there, but it just yeah kind of blew up for a little. There about a there was about five to six years in that late to early eighties where sci fi was like pretty hot for a while oh yeah at least at, at least when you came time to like aimed at the at the kids you know you had star wars for everybody but then all the rest of the sci-fi was still like that's for kids and so it was all aimed at us younger generation kind of thing it wasn't until probably until you get up into the late 80s and early 90s that someone started thinking you know what we could tell grown-up stories with sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> well and uh it's weird where they'd uh cross um i i'm gonna be terrible at some dates on these but i actually recently um and it was a riff track i caught it on um dreamscape um that was the dennis quaid right, 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 movie right, right. where 
One, I'm not sure. I keep meaning to watch that to see whether or not I've seen it or not. I'd be hard-pressed to think that you hadn't. Um, you, It would easily fly back out of your brain other than there were a couple of moments I remember because um, where I would get a good hunk of my uh, my sci-fi fix, particularly movies and stuff, was uh, back in the day um, in Cincinnati, uh, Channel 19, before it belonged to a network, uh, the Saturday Car, uh, the Saturday movie series, they'd run three movies yep. as matinees. I've, I've talked and about you, this exact thing before, yeah. I'm sure. Um, and that's where you could get all sorts of good, decent movies that were fairly recent and some not so decent. And it was kind of funny. I remember just from the programming, usually it started um, bad, okay, good, as far as the way that they <laughs> would do it the one at noon would be eh, and it'd just get better as you went on in the afternoon yes god forbid i had to go play baseball by the end of the yes <laughs> i, I think i've, I've told a similar story i've also told how uh sometimes the movies that they showed in the middle of the day weren't appropriate for the kids that were home to be watching these films i remember hey. i can't remember the third film but there was one film where it was like oh, extremities and the burning bed were like a back-to-back features, you know. <laughs> oh wow! And then I can't think of the, the third film, but it was also along those lines. I'm like, wow, this is this is your Saturday or Sunday afternoon lineup, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and uh, God, you get close to Halloween and some of the horror movies that would actually make it on there. Like, wow. Yeah. Well, those. <laughs> That UHF channel, that channel 19, is what mm-hmm. brought me into like Godzilla. I mean, that was those were absolutely all over the place on there. It was almost, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a weekend that there wasn't a Godzilla film on at least once. And no, and I was probably glued to it at the time. <laughs> exactly. Go Godzuki. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> It's one of the things I'll never forgive Hanna-Barbera for. <laughs> Not that I didn't watch that cartoon as much as that anything else, but... You do know I know you well enough to pick on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of that, I, uh, I literally, before we got on this, uh, just running the, um, the feeds through uh, Facebook, came across uh, one of the first posters for Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh, nice. I don't for for this summer. I don't think I've seen that yet. Awesome. It's very cool. Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to the film cuz I really enjoyed King of the Monsters. So, Absolutely. and I really enjoyed uh Skull Island. Uh Skull Island was a nice surprise. Yeah, especially after the mediocre Godzilla. You know that the uh, what you calls them? You mean the, the first one? Yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. Uh, legendary pictures, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Mediocre. It was like, eh, it's okay. You know, I have it in my collection. I can't say I've watched it since I saw it the first time. Uh, so when Kong Skull Island came along, I wasn't, I didn't rush to the theater for it. But it was kind of like, okay, it's on Blu-ray now. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. And then I was like, holy crap, this was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, thank yes. God. Now I'm looking forward to King looking forward to King of the Monsters. And you know, I was not yeah. disappointed. I, I loved King mm. of the Monsters. No, that was fantastic. Uh, uh and it's everything that you wanted in a Godzilla movie. It's what 
what you grew up watching. Mm-hmm. It's just a modernized version of yes, it. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I enjoyed that so much. They just removed the zipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I had, um, you know, like I said, Star Trek was definitely the thing. Uh, anything with laser space 1999 was something I remember watching. Uh, Floyd, of course, is a big fan. We, I, the, our last episode was all about Space 1999, where we talked about that. And I, I, I said then that I was a kind of a more of a fan of what they tried to do. I was more of a fan of the production design and the uh, the model work and everything that they did for that mm-hmm. series than I was the actual series. I've gone back and kind of dived I don't want to completely repeat everything I just talked about last episode, but uh, sure. you, you obviously haven't heard that episode yet or anything, so I'm talking with mm-hmm. you. Uh, I've kind of gone in and out of that series. I'll watch an episode here and there kind of thing, both first season, second season. And there are some mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, all right, they they had a little something there. And we talk, and Floyd and I and Roy, we we said, you know, had they been given the opportunity that might have actually grown into something that people wouldn't keep putting on the worst list. You know, <laughs> um, right. look at the first, first season of next generation that, that, oh, that came up in our conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're lucky that at, at that point, there wasn't any other sci-fi on TV that it all kind of faded off again by that, the late eighties sci-fi kind of became that, like I said, it was that kitty thing. You know, it was, you mm-hmm. saw it in cartoons. You weren't finding it as live action TV. Had there been other things on at that time, I don't know Next Generation would have survived. <laughs> if there been anything else on at that time. I, you and I have discussed this on other occasions. This is as perfect to, a point to bring it up again, too, is it, it just needed somebody else to own it, to make it grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene Roddenberry... An amazing man, but his vision was very cut and dry, um, and dated, and it and dated, and often talked down to. Uh, it, it was very much from on high. Um, he had a very high and mighty opinion of how things should go all the time, but it made everything flat mm-hmm. and one one dimensional, and we were at a point where we wanted to actually get to know the people that we were watching more. Right. So we needed more depth and it took Rick Berman to come in and do that. Yep. Uh, we were both at the uh, comic expo this past year, listening to the Will Wheaton talk about his time on next gen. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of great things to say about Mr. Berman. Uh, apparently Rick Berman wasn't kind to the actors. He may not be the best person in the world, maybe not the best person to work with, but I do think that he was integral in keeping Star Trek mm-hmm. on television. And we would not still be watching, I mean, there's still Star Trek on television now, We, which we may not, it may not exist had it not been for Berman stepping in and you know, allowing the characters to, like you said, have some depth. I mean, uh, Gene Roddenberry was very much, the characters were supposed to be like the, the perfect examples and always right and never flawed. And I think Berman came in and said, well, that's boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And they gave them a little, they gave the characters a little bit of flaw. They gave characters moments to question what was right and that sort of thing. And that's what people wanted. That's what made it interesting. And that's what made Next Gen, certainly the latter half of Next Generation, a pretty phenomenal series to watch. And that carried over to a Deep Space Nine and Voyager, more for some than others. I'm not a huge fan of either one of those series. Um, I still enjoyed Enterprise. A lot of people didn't, you know, mm-hmm. care for that. Uh, now I think we've gone a little, maybe too far astray. I'm not a huge fan of Discovery. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of the Kelvin timeline films. Uh, in fact, I'm not a fan of the Kelvin timeline films at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you've never hidden that. No, I have um, not. Well, they 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 were trying to be something that. Star Trek typically isn't. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be an action uh, series, and and that's not what Star Trek's about. It's not supposed to be about the fighting. It's supposed to be about the intellectual process of trying to figure out the problem and come up with a solution that's actually peaceful and benefit- mm-hmm. beneficial. And that's not what that was. This was a this was a ray gun movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I will say that the third movie i enjoyed more out of any of them but Mm -hmm. it was a film and i'm sitting here thinking it didn't need to be called star trek you could have called it rollicking space adventure changed everybody's (laughs) name and it still would have been just as enjoyable yeah probably um as we will explore as uh we go into this part of my uh, love for the for sci-fi has always really been uh the exploration of space. Um, so I get into the technical. I very much wanted to be an astronaut at one point. Mm-hmm. So I get into the what What does everything look like? How does it work? I read the engineering manuals for the Star Trek stuff <laughs> when they came out with those in the 80s and 90s. Um, so, yeah, part of the thing that threw me off in the in the J.J. Uh, Abrams stuff is the ship yeah, and then, none of it made sense and then how yeah. and then how boring the ship was uh when okay well we blew up one which is pretty standard star trek movie fare these days <laughs> and uh so let's make another one except we're gonna make it look exactly like the one we just blew up <laughs> well i guess you could say they kind of did that in the original series of films too so yeah and when they did that i didn't like it then either <laughs> Fair enough. Enterprise A was not a favorite of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of technical, this is a show I've been talking Mm -hmm. with a few people about offline, you know, at work and whatever. Have you been watching Mm -hmm. The Expanse? I have. I absolutely, I I binge watched the hell out of the last season once Amazon released it. I absolutely love The Expanse. That is an amazing and, series. I haven't really had a chance to talk about it much on the show. So, I, yeah, thank God I got someone to talk about it now. <laughs> well, it, it's even encouraging me uh, now that the fourth season's been out. I'm like, so much happens in that um, from a political point of view, from a character development point of view, to um, everything to do with the... "Quote unquote race of aliens, the 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 the, the protoform stuff, uh, the proto molecule. Um, I now want to go back and rewatch, yeah, because 
Um, Sci-Fi Channel was also terrible about releasing it, so it went on with really long time between. There were huge gaps. Yeah. Between releasing. So yeah, I, um, I I may go back in and, and binge the first few seasons. Well, it, when the right before the fifth season comes out, I'm pretty sure I'm going to binge the first four again, uh, for that very yeah. reason. Yeah, because I'm sure there's there's gaps. Uh, <laughs> there's gaps, and now that seeing the fourth season, I'm like, God, I want to go back and see some of the stuff that got us here, because. Mm-hmm. That first season, I remember absolutely loving the mm. first season, the whole uh, murder mystery kind of thing going on with this even noir character yeah. in in the middle of you getting to know how the dynamic between Earth, Mars, and the Belters all worked. And then on top of it, you throw some really nice... Not only special effects, but very well thought out um, um, space travel, the the physics of it, uh, watching them figure out how to even just plot a course and do what they need to do because they're actually building in trajectory and gravity and all right. that. I'm like, I'm geeking out. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't something, it, it wasn't until like, probably into the second season that I really started appreciating. Well, probably not even until the third season that I really started appreciating about the show is that it's never the same show from season to season. I mean, the first season Mm -hmm. I actually, it took me a while to kind of warm up to it. I was probably Mm -hmm. halfway or three quarters into the first season before I decided that it was a show that I definitely wanted to watch the next episode. Cause it was kind of like, I guess this is, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's weird. It's like this murder mystery. Yeah. Like you said, it's a noir detective thing, but in space. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, geez, if you're just going to tell a noir story, why be in space? But then suddenly by the end, you realize why it's a science fiction and not, not, you know, a, Mm -hmm. a a Sam Spade uh, film from the forties or (laughs) fifties. And then by, you know, so you got that weird murder mystery thing through the first season. Second season, suddenly it turns into like a political drama. And then mm-hmm. third season, it's an alien an invasion story. And you're like, wow. <laughs> so it's, well, it really keeps you going. It's never boring. It's never just like, oh, another season of the same thing. I like to look at it, especially given the the scope that they're going for. If you think of it, first season, we got in super close. We're we're one on one and then we back at the picture out and now we're looking at all of how the dynamic of our solar system and how that works and then by the time you get in the third season we back it out again and now all of a sudden there's this portal that's involved in figuring out what it is and what it means to all of us and now we've broken that thing open and it's given us the galaxy and now it makes me actually wonder when you go to a fifth season, how do you, if they're making it ratchet up like that, what are we going to see in fifth season? Because yeah. we now have access to the whole galaxy and we've only visited one spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, everything still leads that thread all the way back to Earth and whatever is going on in our own solar system, it all falls apart based off of what's going on there. 
but you you, so. you talked about you know the technical aspects of the show. Yes, I mean, it is not just a. Uh, you still have to have that little. Um, you have to forgive it and go. Okay, yes, they can travel from here to you know who knows where in an episode. You know whatever. You know mm-hmm. they don't have warp drive or anything like uh, you know any MacGuffin right. like Star Trek, but they have some mm-hmm. sort of drive that gets them there. And you're like, okay, fine. You know whatever. Someone just says that. Oh, we've been you know we we've been on route for four days. Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it, it was just a commercial cut for us, but yeah, four days, sure, whatever. Um, so you do have to kind of grant them that. Outside of that, though, mm-hmm. some of the things that I love is the attention to just just giving that little extra thought about well, like gravity, like uh, the character of uh, Naomi, who is a belter who spent her whole life in low or zero g. And yes. it, it suddenly, it's never occurred to me that we've only seen her in space and on a spaceship or a space station. And suddenly we're around an orbit of a planet and she wants to go down and, well, we, we got to actually do something medically to allow you to be able to survive the gravity. And you're like, I didn't think of that. They did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the character of Naomi, too. I love her. I don't know who thought of it. I don't know if it was in the books. I don't know if it was the producers. I don't know if it was the directors. But I love the fact that when she's on the Razanati, when she's talking to Holden and Alex and Amos, she talks relatively, you know, normal with a, a light accent, maybe like almost a Afrikaner kind of accent or something like that. But when she's talking with the Belters, or when she's on a Belter ship or space station, the Belter accent ramps up, and she talks like them. Like that's a nice piece of directing, or whatever character. It's a nice piece of character. Oh no, absolutely, and and the fact that it shifts into an entire dialect. Yeah, uh, they have their own verbiage for things, and the way. Yeah, like you said, the accent that comes out of it, 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 somebody thought through, and all the belters all have that off accent, like they speak a little bit different. It, it's that difference between U.S. English, U.K. English, Australian, Australian uh-huh. English. Yeah, uh, we're all, we all understand each other but there's a little nuance that can throw it off. And I even <laughs> noticed uh, in this past season, it was something, uh, you know, in like previous seasons, when she's actually in the belt, her accent's thick. You know, when she's talking with everybody, it's thick. But I noticed that there was moments where she would just be on the Razanati and like talking over the radio, you know, or the video or whatever to her, one of her friends. Uh, I can't think of the character's name. Um, uh, you know, in the, the the Belter station, and her accent would increase, but not go full on, because she was talking with a friend of hers. You know, so it's like, that's who thought of that? <laughs> that's brilliant. It, it's not only brilliant, but you could see it just happening in honest to God real life. I think I, that's it. That's what I'm kind of like getting at is that there's this, yeah. despite the fact that this show is taking place on Mars and in the in the belt and in some another part of the galaxy we're always in space there's a realism to it that i just mm-hmm. love 
No, absolutely. And then uh, I'm going to go the other direction. Uh, you're picking on Naomi and the fact that she would have to acclimate to being in gravity. Mm-hmm. I was really enjoying um, particularly third and fourth season when people would get injured in zero G. Mm-hmm. The amount of detail they put to the idea that you are not an open wound in zero G is probably fatal. That's a bad thing. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's a hugely bad thing because you don't even think about uh, the gravity implications of trying to clot. Right. <laughs> but they discussed it yeah. and they made that a thing. Like it was life threatening during that one battle in the third season when they all didn't have gravity. Anybody injured was deeply in danger of dying just because of that's that. right. I forgot about that. They kept they were trying to get people over to the uh, the the one ship that could actually had like the manual rotation because it had like a little bit yes. of low G just to give people a chance. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, there was a huge uh, debate to transfer people to that so that yeah, so they could survive their injuries. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that that was a detail that they. I mean, other sci-fi would just, eh, we, we don't need to get into that. We'll worry about the story and not not do that. But when you actually take the time to pay attention to those things, it's actually really meaningful. It puts you in that moment. It puts you there. Yep. Look, like, this is, this is a real thing, and they are really in danger, and you're going to appreciate it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or... Uh, <laughs> Well, not that that was a thing, but just from the effect and from uh, um, the fact that they were paying attention to it. Um, the one nut job at the very first part of uh, when the, uh, the the gate opened and he is going <laughs> full speed oh, yes. at, at the gate. Oh. And even though the ship survives, he doesn't because he splatters himself yes. over the inside. Oh, I remember watching that. Inertia. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and that was a real surprise because uh, you, you get this character. He's kind of like almost like built up through the first half of that, that episode. And, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going in and, yeah, he's crazy. And he's going in for this thing. And you're like, okay, this is going to be someone, you know, going through the gate, going into the gate. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Holy crap. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they went. That, I remember that episode vividly because, yeah, you're like you're introduced to this character. You're getting a good hunk of his backstory all while he's in transit. And he's going toward this momentous thing, which is obviously life changing for our solar system. And splat, he's a bug on a windshield. <laughs> the inside of the windshield. <laughs> yes. And you're like, I was expecting that to go way yes, different than yes, it did. <laughs> not at all. You're waiting for anything. You're waiting for okay. Where's where's the missile? Where's the laser? Where's he's just he's going to disintegrate? What's going to happen? No, no, no. Yeah, no. You're, you're, you're the whole time they're giving you this opportunity. This is Neil Armstrong on the moon, and <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if Neil Armstrong ended in just a big cloud of dust <laughs> as he smacked into the into the moon, that's that's pretty much the equivalent. Absolutely, but I love. But you gotta love the storytelling there, because yeah. I mean they gave they gave you an opportunity to think. Oh yes, yeah. it's gonna be they they 
this is going to be a, the, your next new big important person. I mean, he he's off, but he's a uh, he's about to do something or, momentous. Or even, or, or nope. just the fact that they build up this moment to the fact that you're on your you're on the edge of your seat because you don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been no evidence. There's no like you know, check off space portal in the first half of the show or anything. <laughs> you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So you're on the edge of your seat. You want to know what's going to happen to this guy. And so when it just suddenly just stops and that happens and you're like, well, <laughs> 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 oh, and I mean, that that's a that's a credit for this show. Like you were talking about how first season you'd watch the first few episodes and you weren't necessarily all in. But there um, you got to give credit to the writers. And I'd, I'd like to think they've thought this far enough out that they, they they've been are like really excited at the notion that uh they slow played mm-hmm. it they they wanted to they wanted to build this world where you had expectations so that they knew where to screw with you when, <laughs> when, when you thought you were gonna slap on what you knew from star trek right. and nope nope <laughs> yeah nope. now i haven't read any of the original novels um no, and i've been a little afraid to because i'm Considering how deep it gets into some of the politics of the universe on the show, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh God, mm-hmm. it has got to be ten times that in the books. And it's like, I, I, I'll admit it. I don't know if I could get myself to hammer through it. <laughs> you, you don't want a C-SPAN style book? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, I think there, there was no. probably there is probably a lot of interesting things in that book that I would like, mm-hmm. but it's like. Oh, how do I know I can skip this chapter or not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the way, the way this show unfolds, I'm afraid if you were reading it, uh, and, and I apologize to anybody that's listening to us going, you dumbasses, why haven't you read this stuff? Yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> it, it, it is terrible. I feel terrible admitting it, but yeah, I, it's the truth, so. At this point, you know what? I used to feel real bad about saying I haven't read this, that, or the other thing, but with the way life goes anymore, I'm like, I'm lucky if I have time to brush my teeth, <laughs> so... <laughs> So I'm uh, like, and that's why yeah, we're on know, Skype. I didn't squeeze and not in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the, the the vast wealth of things that are out there that you'd love to do, yeah. and the total inability to get to any of it. <laughs> there is apparently a series like, of uh, graphic novels that are the Expanse origins. So there's like a. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, there are five um, five books. Each one mm-hmm. is kind of the backstory of the main character. So there's a there's a Holden, a Naomi, an Alex, an Amos, mm-hmm. and a uh, a Miller. Uh, okay. So, uh, apparently, uh, my uh, wife is the one that found them at, at the library. She ordered them for me to borrow from the library. So I'm. The, oh, very cool. When they when they arrive through the little search local uh, search Ohio thing or whatever, I'm gonna. I'll get mm-hmm. a chance to look through. So graphic novels, I'll 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 I'll, I'll give a shot through. <laughs> <laughs> well, he figured I should have time for that. Yes, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, but she's saying the actual expanse novels are like five hundred, six hundred pages, you know, a piece. And I'm like, huh, yeah, I'm gonna have a tough time getting myself through that. I think. 
Yeah, it looks like I need to find out if those are on audio. Yeah, maybe. Get a yeah. good long run and hike in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it's one of these things when it comes to the, the books, it I don't give myself the time. I, I, I like to sit and pretend that I don't have the time. But it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's, that's only because I'm sitting here watching TV shows and movies. If I right. didn't watch some 30-year-old movie, I'd have time to read a few chapters in a book. <laughs> so it is really... That is a fair It point. is really a case of me just not making the time to read more than I do. I've always had a problem uh, since, since the early days of school, my, my family will attest. Um, I find uh, r- no matter how much I might like the material, the, the act of reading is so passive. It makes me too relaxed and it, I get sleepy. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so true. I have a hard time getting through even some of my favorite material. Yeah, that, maybe that's, well, see, there you go. And that's the time I should be spending instead of from, from 10 to 11 o'clock going, well, what can I, you know, knock an hour? Some old TV show. Sure, I haven't watched this show. It's a, it's only 30 years old. I think I'll watch this for 50 minutes. I could be picking up a book. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you really could. I could, too. And kids, read a yeah, book. Absolutely. <laughs> but... This PSA brought to you by... Yeah. <laughs> so what else have oh, you uh, you've been watching? I have to... other Outside of uh, Doctor Who, which I know you've never been much into... Um, I'm not as married to it as you, uh, uh, my, <laughs> by default, I'm getting back into it anyways, because my girlfriend is very much into Doctor Who. Um, but no, I, um, since the Eric Eccleston stuff or, um, Chris, Christopher Eccleston, Chris, Christopher Eccleston. Thank you. Sorry. Um, ever since his, I have actually watched, uh, with the, I, I, I caveat that that one of uh, Capaldi's last season, I skipped it entirely. I I didn't care for him much at all, or at least the writing. I'll be fair. I liked him. I didn't like the writing. Mm -hmm. And and that may be more it than anything. Like, I didn't have, I guess I didn't really have a problem with him, but I didn't get any stories that I cared about. I've, I've been watching the show and I still watch the show. And a lot of it is because I've watched over 50 years of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously not since the beginning. I've I've gone. You introduced me to it. (laughs) I've caught up with over 50 years of this show. And so as Mm. long as it's on, I'll continue to watch it. But I see, like in the recent episodes with uh, uh, Jodie Whittaker, there are, there is such potential in the stories. There's such mm-hmm. potential with the characters. And the whole thing, I, I described this last episode that was on the Orphan 55 episode. I described it as, I felt like I kept dozing off during a two-hour movie and mm-hmm. then waking up for a few minutes and then dozing back off again. It's just, it's just all too, everything's crammed into this short time. And it's like, man, I miss the old, like, four to six part, 30 minute um, storytelling. It could be done so much better. And it's, it's very disappointing to see a fantastic character, a fantastic actor, actors, really, being wasted by 
poor storytelling, by this short attention span storytelling. With cur- the current Doctor and the story, not so much the stories they're telling, but how they want to go about it. Um, I'm not sure when Doctor Who became Friends. <laughs> it, it, it's too, it, it, it's too big of an entourage. Now, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean that's a lot of. I mean, at this point, I know the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, but she must have had a few additions put on to carry around the amount of people she's carrying with her these days. Yeah, so yeah, you're 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 not wrong with the having three companions at the same time. I mean, and they've been down this road with the original series, and they had to keep finding a, a reason for someone to not be there, you know? Oh, you fainted. Well, here, t- t- take a, a nap under, you know, kind of hit a hypnosis nap and not be in this story. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it happened. Right. So it's like, you would have thought that they would have learned their lessons. So doing this, and that's exactly what's happened is you've got some great characters and you've had them just with nothing to do other than run. Okay. Run over here. <laughs> Run over there. Yeah. And if I may be controversial for a moment, I'm feeling like somebody mashed the diversity button so hard (laughs) (laughs) that that we're like, you know, instead of, uh, okay, it's great, she's a woman, but let's have everybody (laughs) on this show. And I'm like... I think you're trying too hard. It's possible. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean... I, that is a line that I'm glad that I don't have to cross... I don't have to walk. Uh, I don't want to right. be the showrunner that has to try to balance the... Try to include everybody, but you still want to tell... And tell a good story. And, you know, can you tell this story with this character? Well, why does this character have to be this character? Well, because... It's just... I understand where you're coming from. It's, I'm going to say, I, I don't mind it. You can have as many people as you want. I mean, we you know, go back to the you know, original C Star Trek. It was very, you know, it was mm-hmm. diverse. You know, my gosh, you know, you've got your, you, the Asian character, you've got your African American character, you've got your green character, <laughs> you know, you got, it's a woman, it, you know, whatever. And, but none of those were, shoehorned or felt forced or crammed into the story right Uh, and that's that's where i'm going at it with this and i mean you said there's only three companions and i'm like really it feels like so many more (laughs) but um but no that's where i'm going at Uh, again i and i don't it's weird to even say that I'm all for diversity. I've never not been for diversity. That's not the point. I just feel like somebody went out of their way to go, okay, well, we're going to have a female doctor, but let's throw everything else in there too. Let's cover every basis and let's not have a reason for it. We're just going to do it because it feels like we're what we should be doing right here, right now. And yeah, I think it's causing the stories to suffer a little bit because, like you said, it, now you got to have something for all these people to do to have a reason to exist, mm-hmm. and and we're losing sight of uh, um, part of what made the Doctor so cool. I mean, you didn't have to have them all in the TARDIS all at the same time to go tell stories that involved every cultural thing that we've ever wanted to explore. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, but I don't know. It, it would be interesting that you know, why did she? Yeah, why do you? Why did? Why does she have to travel with all three of them at the same time? I, I, why not one mm-hmm. of them going? Ah, uh, you know, I'm I've got a little bit of the flu. I think I'm going to stay in bed, rest. Get, there's there's a there's a perfectly reasonable excuse for not going and not having that character for that story. And yeah, trim it down so you can tell a little bit more meaningful story. But honestly, even if she were traveling alone, even if she was traveling with only one other companion, these stories as they're told, it, it still wouldn't be entertaining for me. I just like I right. like I said, I feel like it's short attention span theater. Um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna change it up in like in the few seconds. So don't worry, don't get bored. And and I just I get I get tired of it. And I feel like I'm kind of in the minority because I read a lot of comments from a lot of people and a lot of the other podcasts, the Doctor Who themed podcasts I listen to, and most of them are enjoying it. And I'm thinking, really? And it surprises me because these are the people that have are a lot like me who have watched everything that came before. And so mm-hmm. it does I feel it's like what am I what am I missing? Why is this not fun for me anymore? <laughs> Well, and uh, well, I'm only, for this season. I'm only up to uh, the what spy Spyfall Part One. Okay, yeah. and and <clears throat> I I appreciate the the attempt at uh, poking a little fun at uh, James Bond while also trying to tell a story and once again reintroduce the master. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm also. Um, I'm really tired of the manic master uh just bored it's not entertaining it's not fun go back to like the original 1970s roger delgado the the amoral scientist master you know not not necessarily evil you know just amoral just i'm better than all of you so you know i'm gonna experiment on you like like you experiment on white mice that was the master, you know, um, the, the doctor and, and unit or whatever just got in his way and that's what made him mad. And, you know, but he was just, he wasn't like this, oh, I'm going to hop up and down and clap and giddy like a schoolboy uh, thing. It's just, God, why is that? Why does anyone think that that's fun? I don't know, but you, you know, we're getting older. <laughs> uh, maybe there's something, uh, we're not appreciating about who these are being made for. Now. Yeah, and I, I and I think I've come to that conclusion on many franchises. That's where you're at with Star Trek and yeah. Star Wars, for that matter. That's what I've decided. Oh. That it was, as far as Star Wars goes, you know, the original trilogy when Star Wars came out, I was you know six or seven years old, and it was made for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Empire Strikes Back came out, and you know, so I was like what you know nine or ten or whatever, and maybe 11 and you know again made for me return of the jedi made for me because you know i was a a young teenager at the time and whatever and i feel like the new films they're still now they're they're being made for that six-year-old or for that 11-year-old and it's like Mm -hmm. they're not made for the guy that's almost 50 (laughs) anymore Actually, thanks to uh, one of the things that I've been enjoying watching um, as they're on is uh, um, Netflix's series, uh, The Toys That Made Us. Yeah, I've heard of the series. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see it. um, I highly recommend it. Uh, There's some really neat stories around uh, a lot of the stuff. Um, But um, 
And then Netflix, not related to that one, even though they have a He-Man Masters of the Universe episode, uh, there was a He-Man Masters of the Universe documentary that Netflix had, and I watched that recently. <clears throat> and um, my takeaway from these is uh, what I, I marvel at. They all get to a point where they talk about, okay, really interesting the way that this particular item, whichever one it is, Turtles or E-Man or Star Wars or whatever, it, it became popular. It germinated from nothing. It barely, it, it didn't look like it was going to be a thing until it was a thing. And then got super popular and spiked for years and then fell off. And then there'd be a number of years and it'd go through a resurgence and then fall off again. And people are like mystified. Why, why can't we keep this engine moving? And it occurred to me, and in this conversation it applies, is um, they're not taking into account the audience at the time in which it got popular. You brought this out at a time for kids. Mm -hmm. It, it, those toys, these movies, these shows are tailored for to generate that inspiration uh, of um, imagination for, for kids. And then you get to a point and they start to grow up and uh, they get to that point. They're in middle school, high school, and yeah, it's not that cool right. at that point. And it drops off. But then you give it a couple of years and you get an extra boost because their nostalgia kicks in and then they also have kids and they can do it. And I don't think anyone's appreciating that if you're going to have a franchise, you are going to have to accept at some point what you loved about it has to be passed down to another generation that's going to find what they love about right. it. Um, uh, but then you can also have the argument around of why can't you go find your own thing? This was mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You killed my and childhood. I, and, yeah. Well, and I've suffered through that because, quite frankly, Michael Bay tore my heart out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but forgiving all that because he he did light the fire under a few others. Uh, granted, it was all garbage, but uh, but the, it was made for kids at the time. So I have to. It was just fancier than mine in the eighties. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll accept that, but I still want some quality brought along yeah. with it. Um, but but no, this get, that'll be conversations I'm sure that we'll have, which is around the whole notion of why does it always have to be the the same things we've already seen? Right, like you like the Star Trek Beyond. You like that, but if they had branded that as something else, you might have even liked it better because then it would have been. Its own story. Right. It, could have, it could have been um, a new franchise for me to enjoy, mm -hmm. right? But we, but we don't get no. that. I mean, uh, that's actually. Um, I think I told you about this while I was out. Um, but one of the things, tangent off of um, um, sci-fi and fantasy and all that, but uh, going to the movies in general, uh, um, Knives Out. I went to see Knives Out, and absolutely loved it and then i stayed for the credits because i wanted to at least kind of, did this come from something or anything and for please somebody write in tell me otherwise this was 
written and directed, and it was its own self-contained thing. This was original material. When the when the credits ran for it, they ran for less than two minutes because it was just people acting in a story that was written. Nothing nice. fancy. And I absolutely found that I adored that <laughs> because I'm like, this, you don't get that anymore. Yeah, that's true. Every, everything seems to have to be based off some book or some previously created, uh, you know, the TV show, movie, uh, a reboot, remake, reimagining or or have some some base basis that already existed that everyone was a big fan of you know whether maybe it was, everyone was a big literary fan of it well it doesn't mean it's going to transfer over to a visual medium but thanks for trying you know you got to kind of wonder what was in the water from the late 60s to like the mid to late 80s um that made it last forever yeah like everything that we watch, we do, we see. Now, granted, uh, you could argue everything that we watch, we do, we see, probably germinated out of even older stories oh, than yes. that. Then, like, like um, just finding that I now have the channel Epics on, and there's going to be yet another War of the Worlds. Um, but I mean, that dates back to the 30s. That dates back. Beyond that, to H.G. Wells's story, so I'm like that's one that just kind of rides out forever. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, but what is it about that time period? Um, our our basically our childhood time period that this stuff that came out of there gets to go on forever and ever. Yeah, it seems you know like. that's a, a very similar conversation got started up. Um, talking about the, the classic monsters and the classic uh, monster mm -hmm. films, you know, going back to like the universals, you know, the Dracula, the Frankensteins, mm -hmm. and even going into the 1950s where you get into some of the, uh, you know, uh, radiation makes something big movies, you know, the, the thems, <laughs> the, the giant mantises, the, the, the earth versus the giant earth. spiders, you know, all that. Everything from the fifties. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. And, you know, here we are 50, 60, in some cases, you know, 70, 80 years later, still watching that and someone said so in 50 years will people be watching something like sharknado you know right. uh will someone be watching something like uh, uh a quiet place uh you know things like it, it will this stuff that is now is that going to be you know the classics 50 years from now, or, and this is where I think it's possibly more likely, are we still going to be watching Dracula and Frankenstein, you know, from the 1930s and 40s? Taking those almost like you're, I realize all of those are rhetorical in yeah. nature, uh, but let's face it, uh, they're going to be making Sharknado 50, <laughs> 60. Possibly. So. I'm, wait, I'm waiting so. for the Sharknado reboot, yeah. Till Iron Zeering dies, <laughs> I think they'll uh, they'll make those. But the classics you talk about, you um, I'll admit I still actually have to watch A Quiet Place. But um, Game of Thrones, uh, I very much see that being a thing for a good long time and being reborn, probably a couple of different times. 
give HBO the chance, they're going to rebirth the thing every year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, if anything, just to continue to compete against Netflix, Hulu, and all the right, others. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's hard not to put the paddles to the cash cow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you destroy it in the eighth season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to leave your coffee cups out somewhere. Right. <laughs> well, it, it's just, it, it is an interesting thought. And it's obviously, it's not something that can be, you can you can debate it and you can kind of almost in a, in a philosophical manner, you know, discuss it, but it's not anything Mm -hmm. that can be, that can be answered until 50 years from now. You know, the, the next generation will probably answer this question better than, (laughs) than we can come up with. Uh, Check us on our episode 50 years from now. But uh, yeah, so it's, it is very interesting. It's, it's interesting to think about and kind of try to imagine what the, you know, the, the next quote unquote classic is going to be. Yeah, it's just it, it just seems I guess there were a few that uh, birthed during then. But I mean, I'm hard pressed to think of something from like original material from like the 90s and the early 2000s uh that is an ongoing thing now and even anything that you might even think of actually probably came from something else to begin with Mm -hmm. in the first place like uh when they tried to get the sherlock holmes stuff off the ground a couple of times in a couple of different ways but i mean i mean there was what a movie franchise and two or three different possible series at yeah, the time. Yeah, it's true. But, but I mean, those do- date way back to even earlier material, so I'm trying to think of any original material that really caught fire and is still with us today from that period yeah, of time. Yeah, I, off the top of my head here, sitting here talking, I, I, I can't think of anything, but I would have, I'd love it if someone actually, if someone has a thought, you know, Mm-hmm. Send us uh, send us an email or a voicemail. You know, send it to a you know, timeshifterspodcast at gmail dot com, and you know, or you know, come onto the Facebook group uh, and uh, and comment there. You know, give us a, give us an idea, give your thought on on that subject. That would be very interesting. And I'm, I imagine it's kind of one of these things that if there is something, we'll go. Oh well, yeah, there's that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But no, then bring it out. Bring it on. Um, Prove me wrong. Introduce me to something that I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's half the fun right now is... uh, And actually, one of the things I'm struggling with, especially, is Comcast has raised my bill again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, As I'm looking for that next thing to get excited about... with all the wealth of stuff that's out there, I actually have a hard time getting focused to find the thing that's actually going to interest me. Yeah. So, um, so I'm both deluged by choice, yeah. uh, but but hindered by information. I don't have enough people that are telling me, "Hey, this will be really cool." Because the people who have told me that I've already watched all right. <laughs> Yeah. So please bring us yeah, more. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, the, the way you the deluge by choice. That's a great way to put it. Because yeah, I find myself with just a plethora of things that I could watch, but there's it's kind of mm-hmm. like, well, I'm afraid I'm. Yeah, am I going to like that? Am I? You know, do I want to take the time and effort to try to get into that 
new series or that movie. Mm-hmm. But it's like, or I could just climb to my comfy slippers and under my blanket of this show or this movie that I already know I like, and I'll watch for the fifth, sixth, third, 300th time, you know? Literally, the TV in my bedroom is the only one with a Roku, and <laughs> ever since I found Pluto TV and Mystery Science yeah. Theater on Pluto TV, I, I dialed it in and broke the knob <laughs> off. So when you talk about fit into your comfy slippers, that thing that you're comfortable in, that is absolutely literal for me. It is go to bed, climb into my comfy bed, and turn on Mystery yep. Science Theater, falling asleep to the sound <laughs> of doon, doon, doon. <laughs> and Tom Servo and Crow yep. cackling away. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, it, it is terrible. I have. I find it very difficult for me to get out from my, I guess you'd literally call it your comfort zone and to try something mm-hmm. new. And occasionally I will, and I'm glad that I have, you know, like we mentioned the expanse, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know what made me decide to give that one a shot. I'm glad I did. Um, there's mm-hmm. been a few other shows that I've enjoyed a lot. You know, sci-fi channel had a, some good ones that came in down from Canada. I really enjoyed Killjoys. Um, there was a, a Another word, short lived. That was a little shorter lived. Called Dark Matter. That I enjoyed. Dark until, Matter until yeah. it was just pulled out from underneath me. Right when it was kind of like you know <laughs> when the when it was getting kind of interesting. You know, uh, thanks, thank, thanks, Sci-Fi or Canada or whoever you know, Sky or whoever the hell did that to me. Not entirely sure if Sci-Fi Channel shows Sci-Fi anything anymore. I can't say since Killjoys went off the air. I can't tell you the last time I tuned into Sci-Fi Channel. No, I, every now and then I'll poke at it just to see what's there, and it's uh, like I used to relish uh, that. That was the thing for the two thousands. I remember they were on a. Uh, a spree of like every just before the fall came out it almost reminded me do you and does anybody remember back in the day when uh like abc or something would run that that cartoon saturday morning cartoon preview thing on the friday night before the seasons started hmm. you ever remember no, that offhand. No, there used to be a little special that uh, they'd run that was supposed to be the teaser to the kids. Here, this is what we're going to show you as our your Saturday morning cartoons. And Sci-Fi Channel used to do that like at every year, almost around New Year's. Um, they'd have like their little trailer thing that would show all the things that they were going to be showing in the coming year. They've stopped. Yeah. Uh, because they don't really have much in the way of original material coming out anymore. No, and I miss yeah, it. No, no, they don't. I mean, I used to like to tune in occasionally for their, because uh, you know, I like I like a good you know helping of cheese. You know, there there mm-hmm. there be movies that pre Sharknado kind of stuff. You know, the the <laughs> the giant whatever monster. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. felt like they were kind of keeping that spirit alive of the uh, the the giant creepy crawly thing or whatever. And some of them, I mean, granted, most of them weren't all that great. A few of them were still entertaining. Right. And then somehow mm-hmm. they just, I feel like they just lost their way. I mean, it, it was really when you got into, well, even the first Sharknado was kind of like, I was entertained by the first Sharknado. But then right. it was kind of like, and then, yeah, like you were saying, Sharknado 2 and 3 and 4 <laughs> or whatever. 
And then it was, you know, uh, what two monsters can we combine? And then we can pit them together. And it's like, it's getting a little old, guys. You know, two-headed shark attack, three-headed shark attack. And it's like, oh, come on. You know, I mean, you're telling me this is the best? This is all that's out there? You, hey, Atomic Shark was the quintessential. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I got I got bored, and they honestly they kind of stopped. Other than the the big uh, productions like the Sharknados or the Sharktopus or whatever, they kind of, <laughs> as far as I could tell, kind of backed away from that. It used to be a weekly thing; every week was a new, you know, Sci-Fi Channel original film. Mm-hmm. It was always something from the Asylum, or uh, there was another production company I used all the time, but. Um, and I, I would tune into it every night or every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got bored because they were just the same. It felt like it was the same script, just you scratched out, a, like you said, scratched out a, a giant cobra yeah. and write in crocodile, you know. <laughs> Exchange monster. Uh, change location. Um. And I got bored, and then the films kind of just looked like they sort of just dwindled off anyway so i was like all right yeah. so i don't tune in anymore at all <laughs> no but these well as long as the the channel manages to exist like many others um i hold out hope that uh someone finds them a new rhythm and we get some new material at some yeah, point hopefully. Um, somewhere somehow it, it, it'll happen again and maybe maybe it's going to come down to you know, a streaming service, um, whether it's a, a one that exists or whether, you know, it's a Roku channel or something, someone somewhere will kind of pick up the, uh, the torch, I think for people like us that want to tune into this thing. <laughs> and that might be just where it's going to have to be at. I know there's a lot of, um, independent movie host kind of things that, but they typically still show a lot of the older films, the public domain stuff is like, well, you know what? Maybe these, these studios need to get with these people and say, show our film, you know, make that kind of the, the, the thing I would, I'd be down for that. That would be fine. Give me a, you know, Mr. Lobo presents beast from the volcano Island, whatever, you know, I I don't know. (laughs) Pick up the mantle and, and and give us these B movies again because frankly, you know, I I like them. <laughs> I know that you do. <laughs> uh and because of it, I, I've grown rather fond of them myself. <laughs> What's the one with Klaatu? Oh, Day the Earth Stood Still. Okay. The Day the Earth Stood Still. Um while not a B movie, but a classic sci-fi movie. Um, actually found myself watching that last night because it was on, I think, AMC or something like that. But but because, like, I, I'm just I'm looking for something that I'm not getting right mm-hmm. now. And, uh, and I found the classic material um, soothing and comfortable and uh, you can get a lot more out of it now than I could like back when I originally watched yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that will be something fun to explore. I mean, we are time shifters and the whole idea is, you know, we don't always have time to watch all the new stuff right now. And so mm-hmm. we watch it a little bit later. Maybe we watch it when it hits the streaming services. Maybe we watch it when it finally hits uh, DVD or, or Blu-ray. 
Um, or maybe it when it doesn't hit our wallet. Yeah, so when much. it doesn't hit our wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it hits the library, that's when I often uh, <laughs> do. And and maybe it's just something that maybe it, what we did, you know, with Matt and I uh, is just something that the other hasn't seen, but that that is ten. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. I mean, I just I showed him one that was you know from the nineteen forties. Um, his last his last show was The Body Snatcher with Boris Karloff, and he really enjoyed it. Oh, wow. He thought it was really good, and I thought that, that that's great. I finally hit one because most of them he didn't care as much. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know that that's that's what time shifting is. You know, and um, if it's something you've seen before still counts and if it's something that you know one of us can bring to the other that they haven't seen or maybe they only saw when they were younger and maybe they can watch as an adult and like you said you can glean more from it as an adult sometimes and or or the opposite you know Mm -hmm. maybe it was your favorite thing when you were 12 and you watch it now and you're like yeah there's some problems here (laughs) this is when we revisit I, I found myself desperately almost uh, uh, my favorite comic book store in the area actually had the DVD set of Voltron, yes. all of it. And they were they were in the uh, steel cases. So the Lion series was always was in Lion nice, cases nice. and the vehicle series was in the vehicle cases. And. They wanted one hundred and fifty dollars for all of it, and I almost <laughs> broke down and bought it. <laughs> bought it, and then I found it on streaming, and like, oh uh-huh, wow, yeah, yeah, I can watch it here. And then I watched a few episodes, and I'm like, I say, really glad I didn't spend that yes, one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's usually kind of if if in doubt, it goes on like my wish list for someone else to buy me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, Absolutely. I have like the uh, the the whole Buck Rogers series on DVD. <laughs> I didn't pay for that. <laughs> and good for you. I'll still occasionally throw and, with the disc in, and I'll I'll watch a few here and there, you know. But yeah, I recognize it's for its fault. And again, like I said, nostalgia can play a big role in and and how much you can overlook the flaws of a story or a budget. (laughs) No. Again, using the Voltron, I I will sit and watch it and I will be very happy, but I can also angel on the shoulder going, really? (laughs) (laughs) You like that? (laughs) Like, you really have nothing better to do. (laughs) Right. Where's that book that you keep saying you're going to (laughs) read? Well, I think we're gonna have some gonna have some fun, uh, Tom. I, I, I it's gonna be fun discussing. I mean, obviously, we just spent over an hour just talking about random stuff. So hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. the next time you, you come on, we'll have a little bit more focus. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have a topic, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we can we can stick to it a little bit. Now, our next episode, as it's planned, is gonna be. Whew, yeah, it's going to be something because I put out whether anyone would be interested in talking about 1979's Disney's The Black Hole. That was 79? Yes. Wow. Uh, and 
I got a lot of responses. So yes, you did. I was actually late to the party on that. Yeah, so we're going to have like six or seven people on the call. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll we're do gonna the best the we can. We're going to test the bounds of Skype. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, Skype is going to hate me. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to do. I got to, you know, sacrifice a few RAM chips or something to uh, the Skype gods in order to make this work next time. RAM chip. Ram chip. <laughs> but, but that is going to be our, our next episode, which will air in a couple weeks from the time you hear this one. Uh, any thoughts that you guys want to send our way on that subject, you are more than welcome to. Uh, like I said before, same same th- thing applies. Timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Come to the Facebook group and post there. Um, if you haven't already joined the group, obviously, please do. We're always happy to have some new members, and uh, especially if you're going to start up some conversations and stuff. That's always or join in in any conversations that are already there. I am on I am on Twitter. You can find me at TimeshiftersPod, and uh, you're welcome to you know fire me a message there. My DMs are open, or you can just you know just tag me in a post, whatever discussion you know anything you want to do like that. But yeah, I I think. It's going to be a good time because I know we got people coming in that really like the movie. I know we got people coming in that are like, I don't think I like the movie, but I'm willing to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm of the one, I'm kind of like in that in between, you know, where, yeah, it's not good, but there's a lot there that I like. So Uh, we're kind of like coming at it from nostalgia and the love, the love of the robots. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Vincent was a hero of mine. We shall uh, we shall have a lot of interesting views, and I, I think it'll be fun. If anything else, it's going to be just a lot of people having a good time together. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. After that, we will uh, kind of hone and, and, and pick up a couple more uh, topics or uh, a film or two or anything. Is there anything, uh, since you uh, first agreed to actually do this, is there anything that, that, that has popped into your mind of like, hmm, this is something I think I'd like to talk about on the show? I'm gonna have to give that some more thought, but I mean, right. yeah, like we um, going off of even some of this, uh, maybe rounding out some '80s cartoon series, yeah, or, yeah, um, or maybe the evolution of uh, things from book or comic to film and franchise and stuff like that. But uh, um, what I'm excited for for this too is. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm in a spot where I'm kind of looking. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping our audience can even bring us stuff to tempt us with something. Should tell Talk about something we haven't thought of. Why does it always have to be just what we're interested in? If, if you like hearing what we're saying, um, why don't you give us some material so that we can try to absorb it and we'll give you our thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that, 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 believe me. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying this moment in time right now with you. It's nice to do this again. This is something I've missed and I don't have a lot of connection to. And if we can do this and support your site and, uh, I'm just excited. Let's do it. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I was just getting ready to, th- I was thinking of saying something else and I forgot, <laughs> uh, completely left my head what it was. I've blown your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, um, we've kept everybody long enough. This is already going to be <laughs> almost an hour and a half, which I, I had no idea. Um, probably suspected maybe in the back of my mm-hmm. head, but I really didn't plan on it going this long. If you weren't tapering it off now, we'd probably just keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, any suggestions or anything, uh, new, old, somewhere in between, you know, fire them our way. Send them to all the contact information that I, I, I mentioned below or mentioned before or, or below because I'll have it in the show notes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tom, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for, you know, volunteering to come and do this crazy thing called a podcast. You know, it's a, it's something that I've enjoyed now for uh, over 10 years. So, you know, uh, I don't know if I know how to not do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to be supportive of it, and uh, I think you're kind of putting the bug in me. So uh, um, you may have to shake me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and we will, we're looking forward to a fun 2020. Absolutely. All right. Bye everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening.